0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 353 of the podcast that goes SNET, that's right, SNET. I'm your host, Jason Cyborg Venable, (laughs) and it's a flashback episode, that's right, it's time for Cyborg Wolverine. We're going to cover issues 38 through 40 of the Wolverine solo series from 1991 when cyborgs were all the rage and Larry Hammond taps into the cyborg zeitgeist and brings us a tale of a cyborg mutant killer and a cyborg little girl. <laughs> That's right. We're here for Albert and LCD. And we had met them just briefly uh, at the end of issue 37 when Donald Pierce was bringing them out of the Cyborg Science Bath. I remember we did that with John Wilson? And um I'm going to tackle this one solo uh, just because I just had him on for like a three hour tour. <laughs> three hour tour? No, a three hour podcast on Weapon X and did not want to just completely dominate his calendar. We'll get him back soon. I actually kind of already have it penciled in on what I'm gonna ask him back so hopefully that'll all work out. Um yeah, I'm gonna gonna do these three solo um yeah, I don't know really what else. Oh, I I know I remember I talked with John uh, during the episode when we covered episode, or issue 37 that, kind of what my first exposure to these characters was. And I remember buying some of these issues off the shelf. Um I remember in particular 38, which is interesting, and, and we'll talk about why because we talk about the issue. But I bought that one and was introduced in force to uh, Albert the Cyborg Wolverine and LCD the Cyborg Little Kid, and um, found LCD to be very annoying and did not buy another issue of Wolverine because you know. I was 11. Um, anyway, I did not... No, I wasn't. I was 13 at that time. Anyway, it was not my cup of tea, and I bowed out until about the mid-40s. I was like, oh, wait, this looks really cool again, and I was right. But, um, yeah, no, uh, I was like, oh, I, I just don't... I don't think this is funny or cute or anything, and so I wasn't really interested and I had mentioned when we talked with John that I was curious, with my more mature adult sensibilities, if I would find it more charming or still annoying. And I think the answer may surprise some of you. And also, you want to listen to the whole episode because the answer may change multiple times through these three issues. <laughs> Yeah, that is right. Uh, That's very likely. Well, I mean, spoilers. It will because I already know. Um, but yeah. No, I mean, I think it's really interesting to see kind of how the story and what beats really kind of lend itself to this kind of story, and maybe which parts don't as much. Um. But anyway, all that said, we're going to start with Wolverine Thirty Eight. Which is, I guess, let's let's do a little catch-up. So, the aforementioned issue 37 was the end of that story where Wolverine went back in time to see Puck in the Spanish Civil War, right, for World War II. And so, they they came back to the present, and that's when we realized that Donald Pierce was, was building his little doodads. Um... And basically with the idea that the the girl would endear himself to Wolverine and then cyborg Wolverine would kill him And if by chance Wolverine killed cyborg Wolverine then the little girl would You know after having endeared herself to Logan would in turn finish the deed and kill him at that point That's kind of where we are um, So issue 38 is of course written by Larry Hama pencils by Mark Silvestri, inks by Dan Green, colors by Glennis Oliver, and letters by Pat Brousseau. And on the cover, you can see why I would have picked this one up back in the day, because we have a torn-up cyborg Terminator Wolverine choking the life out of our hero, the real Wolverine. And it's kind of got you know the orangey yellow color of Wolverine's uniform in the background just like a solid yellowish orange background and then kind of coming at you almost leaping off the page is an upside down Wolverine face as he's just being choked and all the, the life and breath and saliva are coming out of his mouth and you can see all the little metal meshing of the cyborg like through holes in his costume and skin on the cyborg Wolverine. It looks pretty gruesome. It's a pretty great cover. It really is. It, um, it works very well. and um, kind of lets you know. You're in for some good action. So. Basically in this story. Storm. You know in the X-Man Storm. Confronts some bookies. Who put out a job on Logan. On account his burning up their joints. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Let's start that over. I had an affectation I wanted to do. So, uh, anyway, Storm confronts some bookies who put a job out on Logan on account of his busting up their joints. A couple of mooks spot him on the bus station where they grab him all easy-like. Meanwhile, up in the hills, Logan and a little girl knock over another gambling joint. The bookies receive a call about it just as the mooks come to collect. How is that so? Logan claws his way out of the trunk. Logan and the girl, LCD, drive to a safe house with a tracker and their money bag and wait for the wheel Wolverine uh, to show up. Back in Australia, Pierce explains this plan to Deathstrike, which is to lure Wolverine to the cyborg to save LCD, who will then blow him up after she earns his trust. Logan steals a car and follows the tracker from the bookies. LCD gives Albert, aka Cyborg Wolverine, an upgrade so maybe he can beat the real Wolverine and she won't have to suicide bomb him. She'd rather not. She's gained some intelligence and some feeling in her AI and she kind of wants to stay alive. So LCD then also upgrades herself. Uh, We find out that... uh, so Pierce had intended for LCD's intelligence to stop at that of a five-year-old child. But the Reavers who were running the program accidentally gave her max intelligence. But Pierce doesn't know that. At least not yet. And he's in for a rude awakening because this girl is really smart. Um, anyway, Wolverine for some reason abandons his search. And is just hanging out at the beach with some babes. When Albert attacks him on the boardwalk. Storm finds Logan just as he disembowels, quote-unquote, Albert. LCD sets the warehouse on fire and cries for help, springing her trap as Logan springs into action. So one thing I thought was really interesting, um, when Cyborg, or Albert, I guess, Cyborg Wolverine, pops his claws, you know, I alluded to this in the episode introduction, but it's not a snicked, it's a snecked with an E. Now that was cool, because I'm sure it probably wouldn't make that much of a different sound. But I'm glad they do something just to kind of give you a different visual cue. Almost a clue, in case you weren't sure what was going on, and didn't maybe have the previous issue, and didn't know this was a fake wolverine. Kind of the the sound effect with the claws is a clue, right? Um. I also like it, because I don't know how much Hammond was thinking in this, and how much of the Weapon X story was known, and obviously it had not been really changed yet, but, you know, there have been earlier references in X-Men issues to Wolverine having almost like a cyborg encasing in his arm for his claws that were implanted, maybe, um... And Hammond kind of, by making the actual cyborg have a different sound effect, kind of says, well, maybe it's a little different, right? Maybe, I mean, Wolverine's not a total cyborg. If he has metal parts, it's not necessarily robotic. And whether Hammond meant to make that distinction or not, I think it's really cool that that he does, even if it's inadvertent. Um, Kind of one of the other highlights from the book was Wolverine, when he steals the car and picks up the girls, and they're, like, not impressed with the ride. He uses his claws, as any good mutant would. And to impress the ladies, he cuts off the roof to make it a convertible. <laughs> so their hair can blow in the wind as they drive around the beach. Um, Alright, so the art overall is pretty good. The story, unfortunately, in this issue really plays for laughs but i didn't find myself laughing very much and that goes to everything to wolverine trying to impress the beach bunnies to the way the bookies talk which was weird they have a really almost like thick jersey wise guy accent here in in southern california which is interesting and you know people travel right but um and then to lcd's kind of looney tunes affectation where he talked in all of the ahs and w's and just like, like a little kid who hasn't really learned how to pronounce words yet. And all that I think was intended to be like a laugh, a panel kind of thing. And we know, and we've been reminded, looking at old issues that Sylvester likes to be funny in his art sometimes as well. And I don't know, it just... I think maybe Hammond was trying to play into that or appeal to Sylvester's sensibilities... But none of it really worked for me in this issue. I think maybe had there just been... the the wise guy accent or just the little kid accent... I maybe could have enjoyed it a little more. But because there's both, and they both do so much talking in this issue... It's like an issue full of, of annoying accents. And it just... Really, the issue to me came off more annoying than charming, which, you know, I talked about. And it makes sense, then, why, as a kid, <laughs> even though my taste has changed, why well, I would have picked up this issue because of the awesome cover. You know, I, I, like I had mentioned before in the show, I kind of dropped out of Wolverine for a little bit. I uh, was still loving him in X-Men, but I kind of, you know, dipped in and out of the Solo series, and I was kind of out. I saw this cover, thought, oh, this is a great place to get back in. Read the issue and jump back out for a few issues. (laughs) Um, And I think it kind of makes sense, because I don't know if this issue really works as, you know, what it's intended. I just don't think it's as funny or as clever as they thought they were being. Um, Which is unfortunate, because... I think there's some potential here, and I think there's some story beats that are maybe yet to be covered that can make this story a lot better, but this first issue doesn't really do it for me. Um, The art's good enough. I'm not quite at like a two level, but this is a pretty soft three out of six claws for me on Wolverine 38, and I... If I wasn't doing this by myself, I could probably be talked down. I don't think I could be talked up on this one. I think 3 is as high as I'm willing to go. Um, And really, that's almost a retrograde because of the other two issues, maybe? So let's get into that, because I think 39 plays this a lot better. Um, Let's see if there's any difference in the creative. Um... Yeah, uh, Mark Sciarello does the colors this time. It's a little bit different color work. Um, On this cover for 39, we have Wolverine and a crying LCD. Uh, We know from the story he's going to try to save her from the fire. They're in a burning building. This one almost looks like she's running away from him in a burning building, and he's trying to get her. He looks kind of berserk on the cover. Um, His clothes are all torn. He's slobbering. He's kind of hunched over in a monstrous position. Then you have Storm flying in behind him. And one thing that Storm really reminded me of in this issue with her costume design, her visual look, her build, her haircut. I know this is way before, like, you know, almost a decade before. But this particular Storm by Silvestri at this particular Exact moment in time, really reminded me of Halle Berry's storm, um, especially when she uh, cuts her hair, you know, later in the trilogy. Um, anyway, just wanted to kind of point that out. Just that something that, that visually kind of brought up a, a visual memory. Um, but overall, it's a pretty nice cover. I actually, like it quite a bit. Um, and you know, we have in an inferno of death. Storm and Wolverine face the awesome android assassin Southson, LCD. Cute, ain't she? <laughs> as she's crying and running away from Logan. Um. Anyway, in this issue, Logan and Storm no LCD may also be an android because he just cut open Albert and saw all the metal insides, and knows that they were together as a presumed hostage. They're wondering if it's a trap. So it's almost like they kind of figured it out but they can't risk being wrong right what if it's not a trap what if she's not an android what if she really is a little girl hostage are we going to let her burn alive in this building just because we're suspicious and of course no they're not going to they're going to try to rescue her so unfortunately storm is unable to put out the fire with her storm powers so, Logan goes charging in, backdraft style. Um, even burning alive slightly, he saves LCD, endearing himself to her. Kind of the, the flip of the, the, flip the script, right? Her plan was to endear herself to Wolverine and then betray him. But by risking life, limb, and skin, <laughs> literally, is this kind of burning off of him, to save her... He endears himself to her, causing her to regret her prime, I'm sorry, her prime directive to blow him up. Meanwhile, the bookies find and befriend Albert, and at the warehouse, LCD confesses her androidship, is that a word? I don't know, her (laughs) androidness, anyway, and her directive to Wolverine and Storm. But Wolverine senses something in her and won't abandon her as she tries to delay the bomb. So the countdown is, is about to start because it's supposed to be as soon as Wolverine touches her, she's supposed to blow up. But she's fighting her programming with her consciousness trying to keep from blowing up, to keep a lid on it, so to speak. Um, so LCD reaches out to Albert on their FM radio connection. <laughs> Welcome to 1991. <laughs> they don't have Wi-Fi. They talk to each other on a radio, a, a, a specifically closed radio station between the two of them. Um, anyway, um. Albert finds a radio hut to try and crack the disarm code with his modem. I'm trying to remember back to like 91 technology and and starting to come up on AOL and all that fun stuff. I'm not real sure how a modem could crack a, a code. And he also somehow like goes into the NSA like security system to try to track, crack this code that was built by Ronald Pearson the Reavers. I don't know why the NSA would have that information, but... But somehow, as we get to the final countdown... Anyway, the countdown is going. The LCD is about to blow up. And police show up at the radio up because Albert hacked the NSA. So instead of sending the feds, the police are chipped off. And they go to the radio hut. Cross between Radio Shack and Pizza Hut, I guess. Uh, to figure out what's going on and to stop the web crime from, from taking place. He is able to send LCD the sequence and stop the bomb but is then immediately gunned down by the cops. So there you go. Um, that's our story. Um, so page one, first page, right out of the gate we have Wolverine busting up some pottery with a, a funny sign that says, careful, when you break it, you buy it. And I thought, oh, a Wolverine in a China shop. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Um, also, as, you know, LCD is getting saved, it's really great and also really emotionally sweet Pages, Art-wise, dialogue-wise, if you have the page numbers either in the issue, I'm not sure what they would be in Marvel Unlimited because they don't have the ad pages. But um, let me see. I can count it for you. One, two, three, four. There's going to be like pages five and six in Marvel Unlimited. Uh, If you have the actual issue, it's pages six and seven. Just a really great art, really great dialogue of Wolverine kind of running into the fire, kind of catching on fire, rescuing the girl. Some kind of very sweet sentiment between them. He's like, hang on, I'm right here. I've got you, kiddo. You're safe now. Nothing's going to hurt you now, darling. That's a promise. He picks up LCD and hugs her, and she's like, just not fair. Now that somebody really cares about me, it's all going to be over. And can an android cry? Well, and... Wolverine number 39, yes, she can, she cries tears, as she's, um, you know, just really impressed by how much Wolverine risked to save her, um, also, there's, there's, uh, after LCD spills her, her electronic guts, and tells Wolverine what's going on, um, Wolverine's like, no, we're going to figure it out. She's like, no, even if you like me or save me, I'm going to, like, I can only hold off this, this bomb for so long. Eventually, I'm going to blow up. You need to get out of here. Just let me do this. Leave me alone. Um, and he's like, no, no. There's You're wrong. There's something I can do real good. The real thing I do best, which is, of course, you know, we talked about how Hammond will just play with that phrase over and over again. Different. Different effects and different turns of Wolverine's catchphrase, you know, and the best there is that what I do. Anyway, what he says here is there's something I can do real good. And the real thing I do best, I don't give up ever. And I don't know if there was intended synchronicity um, or not. But I really like that because I don't know if you remember one of the things that, that we talked about on the Weapon X episode, and if you were on Twitter and saw our. remix of of the last chapter that I put out. Remember, John and I had talked about kind of quote-unquote fixing the last issue and having it move from that last panel kind of the pink-hued cover color of Wolverine trying to bust out of the complex and going right to the interlude of him escaping for real Um, and kind of cutting out that middle part where everything gets undone. Anyway, what he says when he's busting out before he in the real issue where he really fights the uh, the tiger but he says I don't give up don't give up and we thought that made a real really good transition to his escape it also makes a good transition to the tiger fight but it kind of summed up like you know in that kind of monster story that was weapon X Wolverine you know kind of regains his humanity by not giving up by his perseverance really kind of the only, emotion and beat he has is just this pushing and propelling forward. The, the not giving up, the fighting. And so I thought it was a really cool that kind of around the same time-ish, not exactly but time-ish, Um, here he he makes a similar sentiment. He says, what I do best is I don't give up, ever. Anyway, I just, I know they didn't come out at exactly the same time, and I'd have to actually get on the internet and Google what the release dates were and Other podcasters are better having that prepared than I am, so I apologize. But, um, regardless, just the order that we did the episodes in, in the reading order, um, I thought it was just really cool that we kind of ended the Weapon X story with him, like, I don't give up. And here's another reference to I don't give up, and he's trying to figure out a way to save, literally, like, this little girl who's a walking bomb, like, literally. Um, I thought it was really, really cool. I really enjoyed it. Is really nice. Um, like I said, an unintentional reminder, possibly, or maybe intentionally. But either way, it really works. Um, so there's also the part. So while they're on the boardwalk and he's trying to save LCD, there's a bunch of reporters. And um, there's one where the um, One of the news reporters says, This is Cindy Cates of News 57, reporting live from Venice Beach where a poignant human drama is being acted out. Then, you know, it kind of continues to act out, but then they get a call that the police have cornered a cyber terrorist at the radio hut. And so all the reporters run off to get a better news story, a hotter story. (laughs) And we kind of get a recycling of the line where the reporter goes, This is Cindy Cates rerouting herself to the scene of an even more poignant human drama. I just thought it was funny. And overall, the humor in this issue works a lot better. I think for a couple of reasons. Um, one, because I think it's balanced out by some, I mean, they, they joked about the poignant story, but it really is. The interaction between Logan and LCD, and even Storm kind of in the backdrop, is it's a really poignant story the rescue of lcd lcd kind of trying wanting to betray her programming because she just got rescued um kind of coming into her own like artificial humanity it's a very poignant story and that balances out against the humor versus just joke after joke after joke and it makes the humor land a little better Um, i actually found this issue to be a lot better way better than the first Like like I said, very poignant. I love Logan in this. This is a Logan that I love and pull for. He is the fighter. He is the feral beast. But he also just has a really compassionate heart when he's not cutting people up. When he's not killing Berserk or having to fight. Like, he just really does whatever he can. And is willing to sacrifice whatever he needs to. To protect LCD here. And I just really, really like that. It's really endearing. Um... And also, LCD and Albert are just both damn endearing in this story. Um, the, the, I'm a, I'm going, shh, I'm hunting wabbits. The Elmer Fudd accent for LCD is less annoying and more charming. And it's weird how it turned from issue to issue for me. Because it really does. It just, it really goes from being annoying in kind of a Looney Tunes cartoon type of issue versus being really endearing when the rest of the story around her is endearing. And I don't know. I think it's, just, it's the recipe. It's the recipe of the issue that makes it work for me. Um, but it just really does. And also, I uh, for John Wilson, who of course has an a podcast covering the early days of image comics called "All the Pouches," and one of the books he talks about on the regs there is Cyberforce, and which is by the artist here, Mark Silvestri. And I want to just want to kind of point out that uh, LCD reminds me a lot of Timmy from Cyberforce, just both in his kind of character design, and I know he doesn't have like a, a bad kid cartoon accent, but. Just kind of some of the same type of ideas. Um, anyway, I'm going to... You know, if, if 38 was barely a 3, almost sliding back into a 2, uh, Issue 39 is a very strong 5 out of 6 clause for me. I actually like this issue quite a bit. Found it very sweet. Loved the character work. Like I said, the humor worked a lot better. It's just a more balanced issue. The artwork is fantastic. Um... Just really, really enjoyed this issue a lot. So, let's move to kind of the, uh, I guess kind of, the, not the end of LCD story, and not the end of the Cyborgs, but kind of the end of this first little introduction, and that's going to be issue number 40. Alright, so issue 40 will be the last issue we talk about on today's Flashback episode. Um, this is, let's see, what changes are there? We're back to Glennis Oliver on the colors. Everything else is the same, including our cover by Silvestri and Dan Green, which has an almost even more robotic looking Albert, who is our cyborg Wolverine, standing on the top of the stealth Express of Doom and running into Logan with the nose of the cockpit of the stealth plane. An LCD is grabbing onto Wolverine's leg as we can continue to fly into the air with, with Wolverine in a lot of pain. Almost being like crucified on this, this airplane like the nose of it. Um, it's a pretty great cover. All these covers have been pretty great. I mean, it's Mark Silvestri. so the one you expect. But still, nonetheless, pretty fun. Pretty fun cover. Okay, so we start off with uh, Wolverine takes LCD home to the uh, Mansion X to see if Forge can fix her and remove the explosives. But he says he cannot. Back in Cali, the police had stored Albert as evidence and he took advantage of all the other stuff in the evidence locker to upgrade himself with both tech and Kevlar. So he's, he's smarter, he's more tech savvy, he can do more things, and he's also a tougher. Right? Some body armor, stuff like that. Um, he escapes and goes to steal a stealth plane so he can fly to New York City for LCD. Because he had gathered some information that that is where she was taken. So Logan, Forge, and Jubilee, glad to see her back in the book, uh, take LCD to a diner where she hustles pool but uh, blows a fuse when she plugs in her finger to recharge. Then she unplugs like a a jukebox or a vending machine and um, basically pops off the top of her finger and there's a little uh, plug there. And she tries to plug in to recharge and, and blows the fuse. Um... But while she was doing that, she says the wiring wing system, or all the wires, somehow made like a extended receiver. So she got transmissions of some sort and was able to decipher from that that Albert is alive. But it was a brief, I guess, reception. And she wants to go somewhere where she can get better reception. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now and so her and uh, Logan run off they hop on his motorbike and hit the road looking for some tall buildings of luck there are plenty in New York City right that makes sense <laughs> I'm not real sure what happened with all of this like I think some of the technology is a little bit magic here as much as a uh, likes to be a detail and show how much knowledge he has, you know, like as far as describing specific weapons in G.I. Joe or certain locations and trivia. I'm not sure all the technology for I mean maybe just based on limitations of our of our information in ninety one, but it just seems to be a little bit like, Oh, well, I plugged in and I use the electrical wires in the wall to gather data from the sky. <laughs> So, anyway, there's that. Um, but anyway, they, they want to go find a, a tall building to get better reception. Um, Albert flies on top of the plane, a la Titanic. <laughs> kind of like Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio at the front of the boat. And uh, he enjoys being free as a bird. His plan is to kill Wolverine, thus rescuing LCD from her programming. In other words, if, if he's already dead... She doesn't have to go boom, right? It sounds like a, I mean, a decent logical plan. Um, So meanwhile, Logan and LCD head up to the top of the World Trade Center for a higher open reception. Also, the Air Force is trying to find and intercept the stolen stealth plane as Albert reconnects with LCD on their FM channel and tells them to stay on top of the Twin Towers. Um and he will find them. His plan is now to fly over the tower, skirting the top of the buildings, while killing Logan with the plane. Like just he's gonna stab him with the nose of the plane and somehow miss L C D and you know, circle back for her after Logan is dead. Um this does unfortunately, because they're so close together, require him to activate the plane's radar, which tips off the Air Force to his location. So then he hits Logan, but LCD also grabs onto the plane for dear life. Um, as Albert and Logan both climb into the cockpit to fight, LCD stops them. She loves them both and talks, uh, tells Albert that she has put the explosives temporarily on hold, so she doesn't need saving. Again, not quite sure. We've already established that she can't stop the explosives forever. At least that's Forge's theory. So I'm not sure that Albert doesn't still have a point. But he, he's, he seems to be content with the fact that she can, at least for now, control the boom. And so he's like, all right, well, what do you want me to do? And Logan's like, Well, oh, why don't you drop us off and enjoy your newfound freedom, bub. And he's like, that, that actually sounds really good. I actually, I really like flying this plane. Maybe I'll just keep flying for a while and be my own cyborg man. And everyone's like, all right, cool, good plan. But unfortunately, the Air Force shoots them down into the river. To be continued. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, you know, he plays it really lighthearted still. And still kind of for humor. But, so there's a lot of conversation between Forge and Jubilee with Wolverine about LCD whether she's a she or an it um a lot of kind of puns and and little remarks some more serious some more funny um but the band tour on it is pretty emotional actually I thought it, it was it rang pretty good with some pretty good depth um even though it was lighthearted it kind of portrayed and added some seriousness to the story um you know with Forge is being very convinced that she's a science project, she's an it, is not a she, and even when he starts to say she or her, he corrects himself. And there's even one part where Jubilee's like, Yeah, yeah, she's an it, and then she says, But she and Forge is like, Huh? and Jubilee's like, No, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> and so really, like, really harps on the fact I don't want to get attached to this person. I think Jubilee's motivation which actually, I mean, I don't think it's the right thing to do, but I actually kind of appreciate it as a character, is that it's more based on jealousy. You know, um, we saw that at the end of, um, what was it, Extinction Agenda, right? In the wrap-up story. Um, where she was kind of like, oh, well now that we're back with the X-Men, it's not just me and you anymore, Wolverine. And she was kind of sad about that. And then, so we see here, she feels kind of maybe a little bit threatened. LCD and how cute and innocent and adorable she is and so if she can refrain from looking at the cyborg as an actual person or a little girl then it's easier to kind of keep that level of maybe contempt a little bit and instead of admitting that she feels threatened just saying well no I mean she's not that cute she's just a robot and so I I really kind of like that turn again not saying that it's the best feeling to have, but it really makes sense with the characters and the interaction. It's a good it's a good story beat. Um, Forge, uh, I mean, yeah, he's kind of cold and scientific. Um, so I get the part where he's like, oh, well, the science says she's not a person. But I don't remember him being quite that dispassionate, but I guess he could be. I'm really trying to wreck my brain and determine my own headcanon that, that fits Forge or not. But I think, I think for the most part it does. But then, well, right on the other side is like, well, no, I mean, I saved her. I saw the way she acted. Like There's something human in there or at least something human-like about her, even if it's AI, it's intelligent and compassionate and humanistic. And so, it. She, LCD still has value. She still matters. We still need to protect her, try to help her. For all lack of, of anything else, she's a person. I mean, she may be different, but just like we would say, a mutant that looks like a lizard is still a person. <laughs> you know, I mean, it kind of comes down to protecting everybody, you know, whether it's artificial or not. And really, if you're not reading the current uh, Iron Man run, it's being dealt with very in-depth, like, uh, AI rights and, and stuff like that in a fictional space of course, but a very interesting book talking about that. Um, of course I'm referring to Dan Swatts current Tony Stark Iron Man comic, which uh Georgie V from the Excalibur has got me hooked on. Um but yeah, just kind of that 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 constant kind of back and forth of is is it is it a she or a she in it or is she a she or it in it? I mean it's it's a, it's a fun little conversation. Um there's also a part where uh, <laughs> Jubilee, um, they're at the 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 diner and uh, the waitress is like, well, I don't know. I mean, I can't let the kid just share y'all's food and drink. And Wolverine's like, she's not. And she he pulls down the the cup and it's a uh, it's a straw and a can of oil. <laughs> and Jubilee uh, calls LCD an appliance and uh she gets in LCD's face and LCD sticks her tongue out just like a little girl would. So this kind of plays into that whole whole thing. Um, also here, I just did want to mention, very unintentional because obviously Larry Hammond can't see the future, but the, the scenes of the stealth plane flying towards the Twin Towers, still pretty chilling and maybe worth mentioning. Um. You know, if you're going to read the book, you want to be aware that that's in there in case you have any trauma related to that imagery. Um, also, side note, forgot how rad the Rocket Here movie poster was. There's a full-page ad for it here in this comic, and such a great movie poster. I need to watch that again soon. I remember liking it a lot, and the last time I watched it, probably about a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago, still held up pretty well, I thought. Um... So lots of really cool art in this story, a lot of great art, um, and a pretty fun story. Um, you know what, I originally, in my notes, wrote this down as 4 out of 6 clause, with the difference between it and 39 being that 39 was probably closer to 4 out of 6 overall, but it really had that relationship an interaction with Wolverine and LCD, particularly when he first rescued her, that really kind of raised that comic up to the 5 level, but reading this again, I kind of think, you know, number 4 he may also be 5 out of 6 claws. It's, it's definitely a high 4 or a low 5. Um, part of me either just thinks the technology is wrong or doesn't understand the technology and that kind of part of that took me out of the story a little bit but not enough to dislike the comic but maybe enough to not give it that five i'm going to stick with my original notes i'm going to go a very very high four out of six claws flirting with five um but definitely enjoyed it way more than after i read 38 I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, here we go. Guess I'll buckle in. Not really going to enjoy this story probably very much, um, and ended up liking it quite a bit. So was very happy to kind of see the story turn around um, as it added more human element and human drama um, to the story, and definitely kind of kind of raised it up a little bit in in my estimation. So. That's where we're going to cap the issue. Um, Albert Wolverine and LCD are in the plane wreckage in the river. And we will see next flashback episode what happens to them. As we also introduce some other pretty pretty important elements to the story um, from there. So the story kind of takes a little bit of a turn. It's not completely focused on the cyborg stuff. So I wanted to kind of carve this out into its own... Little piece. Plus, you know, gotta keep the episodes manageable, right? But, um... Yeah! So that is Albert and LCD. Our cyborg. Wolverine and cyborg... Um... Too old to be a toddler. I feel... Like I can't say she's a toddler. No, five-year-old. I mean... I guess is what she's supposed to be, so... I don't know. Anyway. A fun little story. That, that had a Buffy start, but ended up in a really cool place. So... That is that. Um, next episode overall should have Georgie and Dan back from the Scalbros to talk some more Hawks pox. and the next flashback episode, as I just alluded, will be another round of Wolverine solo books um, continuing our hammer time as we uh, move forward through more of more of his issues in 1991. So. There you go. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, and if not, you know what to do. <laughs> Keep listening. Yes, please. Um, yeah. So for the uh, podcast that goes snicked, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast. Show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. And as always, very much appreciate, um, any retweets and Facebook shares. Um getting a lot a lot more of those lately and you can definitely see it in the in the listens. So I really appreciate you guys supporting the show. It means a lot to me. You know, especially kind of this far in. Sometimes it's well, no how much longer do I want to keep doing this? But as long as I keep having good um, interaction I'm gonna keep it up. Plus I just like it too much. I have a lot of fun. So no nothing changing in the foreseeable future i have plans out for a while for episodes so um anyway that's gonna do it so until next time hugs and snicks everybody bye bye and snacked